Welcome to another episode of the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Well, guys, it has been a fascinating week for us blues. So much to talk about. We're going to try and do it in an hour for you. So let's kick off by introducing our guests. First of all, as you might suspect, we have that guy, Ray, from City Fan TV. How are you doing, Ray? Hey, I'm very well, very well. Uh, it's, uh, I'm still um, on my pseudo-holiday in, in France. I've got another, I think, uh, another day, and then we, we travel back at the weekend, hopefully arriving uh, in good time to watch the FA Cup semi-final. Fantastic. We also have Colin Savage of King of the Kipax fame. How are you doing, Colin? What have you been up to? Well, up to 10 minutes ago, I was doing my King of the Kipax article. Oh, um, which I promised for tonight and then coming straight on here. Uh, but I mean, I must admit, I'm, you know, coming down in the world talking to you a lot because yesterday <laughs> the people I was talking to on kind of, um, video meetings included Michael Gove and, um, the head of MI6. Aha. Okay. That's job I, I, related. I, I mix in these circles, you know. <laughs> it's such a pleasure for all of us, Colin, to have your company. Anyway, the check will be in the post. <laughs> the we have another another great guest uh, with us tonight, Emily, aka Kipax Girl Emily, that you'll know from Twitter, and she's another king of the Kipax uh, writer. So, how are you doing, Emily? Yes, I'm really, really well. Thank you, Mike. Yes, thank you for asking. I I did finish my uh, article on Monday, and my mum, who is in my uh, bubble had my little boy so I could do it so that was good got that boxed off and um, yes looking forward to having a chat with you all tonight <laughs> well here we go guys we should probably start off with the one bombshell item of the news this week and that is of course undoubtedly without any shadow of a doubt the new city shirt what do you think Emily <laughs> um I mean, at first I really didn't like it, but I like the fact that it's linked to the mosaic from Main Road. So I do like the nod to the history and the whole Main Road mosaic and the nod to the Northern Quarter mosaics as well. So that's quite nice. But I think I'm past the age of um, buying home shirts. Like I wear retro shirts more now. So, But it is nice for the young ones, I think. Uh-huh. What about you, Ray? <laughs> what about you? Will you be investing uh, I- in one? No, uh, I have a penchant for shirts. I used to buy a lot, uh, and if people watch me on my streams, I, I'm, I have about eighty um, or so shirts and tracksuit tops and jackets and polo shirts and, and, and actual kits. Um, which my wife is stunned why you know I've got stuff from twenty years ago or, or, or longer. Um, but some iconic kits there. And it, I, look, I mean, it, it's it's okay. I think for the kids, I I, I quite like. Uh, the away shirt, that's what I've seen, or the goalkeepers want, a, a dark black, uh, I'm, I'm keener on, on, um, those kind of shirts. Um, but yeah, look, people, um, you know, I, I think they'll sell really well. They're going to wear the home shirt, the new home shirt at the FA Cup semi-final. One thing I do have an issue about, and I always do, I was, a, I would be in my bonnet about the price. I mean, um, I was checking online actually this morning, being in France, and um, the cheapest adult shirt was £81.68. Now, in the UK, if I was in the UK, it'd be 65 quid, but I still think that's a fair bit of money. And that's, I, I think, without or name or numbers or whatever. So, I, I personally, I just think um, it's still very expensive. And sadly, that's where football is. Um, and it you know, uh, becomes more and more expensive for parents to buy for their kids in these tough times. And I suggested this morning that. Manchester City could do us all a favour 
all season card holders, whether they be the men's teams or the women's teams, and give us a 50% discount because we're season card holders on the purchase price of a new kit. And that's, you know, going to go down like a, like a bombshell. They're not going to be interested in that, are they? But I just think at some point, you know, it would be nice for the club to repay the faith of the fans who we're struggling in these tough financial times. Alan Savage, comment on this particular uh, listener uh, comment that uh, came to us on Twitter. Um, he said uh, that he liked the shirt because it would suit a few of our defenders because it makes you look like you're made of glass. Well, yes, that's a very good point. Um, I, I have actually spoken to the Puma designers, um, and they've, they've, uh, this was when they launched the kit last year. They were very keen to stress the history element of the kit, and of course... As was said, it, it replicates the mosaic above the main entrance of the main row. Um, and I must admit, I'm always nervous about judging shirts till you actually see them in the flesh, so to speak, because I didn't like that away shirt last season when I saw the pictures of it. And, and then we got invited to a sneak preview just uh, the weekend before it went live. Uh, and I walked into the shop, which was a building site. Uh, however, how have they finished before Monday morning? I don't know. And I saw that away shirt and I thought, wow, it's an absolute icon. It really is an iconic shirt. And uh, it's very rare for me to buy a shirt, I must say, but I bought one of those. Um, so, so yeah, I know some people are saying, yeah, but um, don't judge it till you actually see it, you know, live. But when, when that will be, I don't know. And I mean, not on the TV live, but actual, you know, up close live. Okay, what guys. What Paisley third shirt is, though. I'm yeah. not sure. I would like to see that one. <laughs> close up. I know. That looks like pajamas. <laughs> I don't know anyway. what the that is. Enough of this silliness, guys. Now, I'm going to stop teasing you now because, of course, when I mentioned the big news, I wasn't really thinking about the shirts, but rather the decision by Cass to overturn UEFA's two-year ban from the Champions League and also a 20 million reduction of the financial penalty. What was your reaction, Emily? Were you waiting, you know, with bated breath 10 minutes before or did you just take it all in your stride? Yeah, the countdown was well and truly on. And um, I was refreshing the CAFS website frantically and it got to about 29 minutes past and the heart was racing and I started to shake. And, and then when it hit half past, nothing. I was refreshing and I was like, where is it? Where is it? And it was a couple of minutes late, but then when it came through and I was kind of just so worked up and emotional, I'm, I'm trying to read through all the text quickly. And when I actually realized what I was reading, the, it, it took it took a few seconds for it to actually all sink in and settle in. And I thought, oh my goodness me, wow, wow. And I was kind of just stunned and time stood still. And I thought, this is monumental. This is absolutely monumental. And a lot of people are going to not like this news, but wow, this is absolutely fantastic. Colin Savage, I'm sure that uh, you didn't even bat an eyelid. <laughs> well, you know, um, I put, put almost my re reputation on the line with this decision. And um, I was always confident that we were going to um, get um, exonerated. But I must, I've got to tell you, um, up to Sunday night, I was quite calm. And then Pep's embargo press conference comments came out and it kind of knocked me a little bit. Now, I had heard on uh, initially Thursday morning, but I discounted that, but Friday mid-morning that we had been exonerated. Now, um, apparently the process is that 
Kaz send a document through to the parties a few days before the official release. And it's not the, the media release, it's, it's a legalese document which apparently documents the points of law or, or, or rules they, they've judged on. And, and uh, so it doesn't actually give a verdict from what I gather, but it does give you a very good idea of what the verdict will be. So since you were quite clear, I believe when, from Wednesday night that they were in the clear on this. But obviously, so I went to bed Sunday night. Um, I've always been confident um, for a number of reasons. But when I got up Monday morning, the only thing I can compare it to in a, in a football sense was the day of the QPR game back in 2012. And that day, the feeling was the same. I was confident we were going to win that game, but my legs were like jelly and my stomach was going all over the place. And uh, for about half an hour, from about 9 till 9.30, um, I was convinced then we were, you know, the band was going to stand and everything. Um, and then everything crashed at 9.30. I think I saw it on Twitter uh, first and, and the relief was just immense. I, you know, I just, it, it was like that the QPR game when Aguero scored. The elation, the, then the relief afterwards and the joy. And I've got to admit, my head went. And, and I, had, I had meetings during the morning working from home. But in the afternoon was clear and I had to take the afternoon off because my head was doing was just all over the place. It, because obviously I'm pleased for City um, as a club that they clear the name, basically. Although maybe we'll come to some of the media reaction in a minute. Oh, yeah. It, it was a relief for me as well, personally, because hey, I put my neck on the line saying that we would be exonerated. You know, I've spent, as you know, I spent a good few years talking about financial fair play. Uh, how City have been uh, almost um, cheated by this process. I've talked about why the De Spiegel articles were completely misleading. Uh, and so to find that actually everything I'd said, uh, and Stefan Borson, of course, has said about this, had been proved correct, was, was an absolute massive relief. Ray, a little bird tells me that you also knew what was going to happen before it happened. I didn't know. I mean, and you know as much as anybody, as the next man, you, you listen to somebody that you trust, but you're hearing something secondhand. So you still have to be very cautious because someone could have heard something and got the wrong end of the stick. And they could easily, you know, it, it is like Chinese whispers and you, you are concerned. Having said that, I did do uh, uh, film two videos over the weekend. Um, Knowing and 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 I wasn't like uh, Boris Johnson. I didn't do one for each side. I did two videos that City were going to be exonerated, and I think you saw the one having a pop at a, a, a fair few journalists and Senior Tebas and and uh, Mr Gill. Um, so I, I did that. So I I was pretty confident. I, I you know some people say I waste a lot of time, but I didn't want to waste you know half a day or a day doing videos. If uh, I wasn't sure what was going to happen, um, but uh, but even on on the day, I did a live stream on the day, and a funny thing was, I mean, you set the, you set these up to to start at a certain time, uh, and what I'm doing at the moment, I'm I'm doing a lot of filming in the park across from uh, my apartment, and um, so I was walking across this, uh, you know, with my laptop, getting all everything set up, and I was two minutes late uh, because I had to move because I think the sun was too bright from where I normally sit under the trees. And so I had to move to another location. And by the time I logged on uh, for the stream, I think I had uh, over a hundred people waiting um, for for my, for my live stream. It was like it was crazy. And that, you know, it's a long time since I've had so many people um, hanging on to see what's going on. And I, and I had to admit to everybody, you know, it was, it was exciting. Even though I, I was pretty sure we were going to get off, 
and you know, once we um, not get off is the wrong word, but I'll, I'll use that uh, for, for now. But my legs were shaking after we, um, you know, after about ten minutes in, in, into my stream. Once you know the the sense of the gravity of what had uh, happened that morning when it hit me, you know, yes, we'd got. It felt like a vindication. Uh, we were ex- in effect exonerated. Um, the, the ban was removed. The full, f- from, from my point of view, I, I tell people the full 30 million pound, uh, 30 million euro fine was totally removed. It was totally removed. The 30 million FFP fine was gone. In its place, we had a 10 million euro fine for not cooperating. But for me, that's totally different. That's not FFP related. Really, we didn't feel FFP. I got a 10 million euro fine. And we'll talk about what Jose said. And, you know, if you're not guilty, why do you get a fine? We've got a fine for something else, not for failing FFP or um, disguising payments or anything else. We just got a, a fine for, for flicking the V's at uh, UEFA. That's what we got the fine for. Look, it was a fantastic day. And as Emily said, I, I was, she actually uh, took the words that I was going to use, monumental. It was because if we had lost, this would have set City back. There's no question about it. You know, we'd have lost somewhere in the region of 200 to 250 million pounds over the course of two years. We were under the threat of some players maybe wanting to move on. People who, you know, more interested in their careers and money, or whatever, than the club. Um, naming no names. We were, you know, had the potential to have problems with FFP going into the future because we have to start to pay salaries and everything else. Buying new players was going to be difficult, um, in terms of attracting them because you're not in the Champions League and not having the money or having to once again start paying over the odds. And then what would happen to Pep? So it, for me, that, you know, in our recent history, for what we've done on the pitch, we've had some pivotal moments on the pitch. But what happened on off the pitch on, on Monday, that was a pivotal, pivotal moment. And for me, it was the best result of the season so far. And we hadn't had to play a game. Well, let's just, excuse me, let's just go over to Emily for this uh, next question. And I think I'll probably have all of you guys comment on it. Uh, Emily, after a certain period of time, did you find that your joy and satisfaction sort of morphed into anger at the way that City had been portrayed all the way through this uh, this year? Yeah, I found that the elation, I've only just kind of come down from it today. I've been on a really giddy and on a high for the past couple of days, ever since I've, I've, I've seen the, the, the verdict and you know, I've been quite delirious from it and that's because of just that word again, monumental and how important it was to the club, how important it was moving forward for us because it, it would have absolutely set us back at least a few years and financially and I think as well it's it's the whole thing that we, you know, everybody just, when the verdict came in initially, it was like, oh, brilliant. And everybody was celebrating and nobody really expected it from like rival fans perspective for us to be, to be cleared for it. So in, from that perspective, I was on, I've been on cloud nine all week because it's kind of one in the eye, really. And the anger came almost immediately. It was kind of delirious, delirious reaction fueled with anger because the tweet started immediately because I started to tweet about it. And I was obviously confronted then from angry rival fans who were livid about the decision and, and, and really upset. Even when I said that financial fair play was introduced after City's takeover, you know, as a way of UEFA protecting the elite to keep the old world order in football there, and that rival fans should be applauding the decision that's come City's way today. 
because it gives clubs like Newcastle, like Everton, like Wolves, like Sheffield United, it gives them a chance of breaking in. It gives them a pathway. And it's not just those those clubs at the top being protected anymore. It is a victory for football. But people have been so brainwashed by certain journalists in the media and the bile that they've been spewing and writing everywhere. People have believed it and been brainwashed by it. And they just have this absolutely ridiculous view of it. And, you know, you think that Manchester City would have actually invented the art of spending money in football, but we didn't, obviously, because there's plenty more clubs long before we had lots of money to spend who've been through it all. But we are the ones who get the flack for it all the time and we're the ones under the microscope for it but you know Jack Walker did it with Blackburn Rovers Roman Abramovich at Chelsea which makes Jose Mourinho one of the biggest hypocrites walking because hello tax evasion and the amount of money he spent at Chelsea so it's just hypocrisy everywhere these uneducated fans coming forward and, and they've just been brainwashed by the media and it's just so, so sad and no matter what you say to try and re-educate them, you can't reason with stupid and I did have a few Everton fans who retweeted it and said fair play and, you know, we're really happy for you and that was brilliant but on the majority I was met with pretty vile abuse for it and that made me even more angry but I was happy and angry at the same time Alan Savage, it turned it turns out that your um your prediction in, a, in the last pod um was quite prescient, really, because you said that you expected the uh, journalists to double down, uh, change the focus, and pretend that they hadn't said everything that they'd said, and it turned out that that's pretty much what happened. Well, yeah, I mean, lepers don't change the spots, do they? Um, you know, they'd all been predicting our demise and all, all these experts, all these, um, you know, legal and financial experts that work for our media, um, all their inside sources, um, their confidential sources had all been predicting UEFA's, um, success. Uh, some were saying, oh, it will get, um, downgraded to a one game ban. Um, one so year. I, you know, uh, sorry, a one year, one season ban. So, yeah, I mean, I felt like Emily. I felt quite angry once the euphoria had worn off. And, and you know, I, I want you to sneer at them because they know nothing. Um, and you saw the narrative almost straight away. You know, our friend Mr. Castle's, um, well, City broken, breached FFP because they got fined. You don't get fined. You know, for completely forgetting that um, the thing we've been fined for was not what we were charged with. Uh, well, it was what we were charged with, but not the thing that led to the financial side of the charges. Um, one of the few that came out with credit um, was Jonathan Northcroft, our friend, Ray. And yeah. uh, he he came out and said, you know, I thought City were going to get done. He said, but based on the decision, he said, I hold my hands up. I apologize, um, which was good. But, you know, Ian Herbert was on the same track about, you know, Grubby clubs, and I'm told Mr. Herbert had to take great care last time he was at the Etihad after his last article, uh, and had to do a runner with his hoodie hood up um, when a few fans came looking for him. Not that we condone that sort of thing, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll all agree. Um, who else? You know, the usual Guardian suspects. Um, of course, Tony Evans, the Scouser, uh, who had assured us. That UEFA weren't relying on the emails in De Spiegel for their evidence. And De Spiegel came out and said today, 
UEFA came to us for those emails and we wouldn't give them them because they're <laughs> confidential. So UEFA, as I, as I said, had used the stories from De Spiegel as the basis of their case. <laughs> That's and, un and, you know, unbelievable. And, and of course, some of these journalists are playing to the audience, of course. Um, yeah, we were fined 10 million euros, 9 million quid, uh, but, but that was for obstructing the investigation. And it's still, I think City will wait till the um, full verdict comes out next week, I believe it's promised. But there's still a possibility they, they may try to challenge that fine because um, City, I, I was told City had briefed the Times. And sure enough, on Tuesday, there was a great article by Martin Ziegler, and he clearly had been briefed. Uh, and one of the things he said, which was interesting, was that um, City had obstructed the investigation and, and had legal, had taken legal advice on doing so on a number of grounds. Um, the first one is that um, there's a legal principle about what they call the fruit of the poison tree. So basically, if you've stolen something, if evidence has been stolen, the chances are it's tainted anyway. Um, so, so that was one of the grounds that City opposed the investigation. Uh, and the other one, which again, they were proven right on, was that many of these allegations were time barred under UEFA's own statute of limitations. So basically, it was, um, you know, an investigation that had no statutory basis as far as FFP was concerned. And, and City clearly had taken legal advice and clearly felt they were, um, not they were quite justified in being in a position where they didn't have to waive the investigation. So um, the bizarre thing is, you were, um, Cass said that these allegations were time-barred. We don't know the full extent of that, of course, till next week. Cass said the allegations were time-barred. It said they weren't proven, um, that the city did not disguise equity funding as sponsorship contributions, uh, but they still find us for not cooperating with a an investigation that was time barred. So I, I kind of find that bizarre. And, and, and I think City, if they find grounds to challenge that, I think they'll do that. Mm -hmm. Ray, the, the nub of the arguments that, uh, from this, you know, cast of villains that, 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 uh, that sort of emerged in, in the first couple of hours after the announcement was that the whole time barred issue for them meant that City had got, just gotten off on a technicality. And so that's why they deserved to be, you know, roundly booed uh, by all of us. Um, what did you think of, of, of some of the journalistic responses? Rubbish. It was rubbish. The time bad stuff. I mean, basically, they turn around and say, because you're not guilty, it doesn't say you're innocent. That's what they're basically saying. The time bad stuff, they say, oh, you were guilty, but it was time bad. No, actually, uh, I, I think what would probably happen is Cass would say, that stuff is time bad. We are not going to waste our time on something where to prove it or disprove it when there's no point because it's time bad. So we're not even going to look at it. And I think that's the way you do it. And if you're only, if, if you're, the hearing's only three days, that seems to me a lot of stuff has been booted into the long grass because it was time bad. You don't waste your time doing it if you can't do anything about it, even if it is proven. So that's a lot of rubbish. But people, it's to suit their own narrative. They've got to satisfy, as Colin said, their readership and to twist it in any way. They won't like Duncan Castle's twisting it. I saw, uh, I think the fellow's name is Terry Flewers, I think his name is, from uh, the Football Terrace, uh, uh, quite a sizable YouTube channel. And um, he was going down, you know, as the, he was, a lot of people doing live streams of what was going on. And he was calling us cheats or all, all sorts. You know, and then you know, he spent 10 minutes 
abusing City and I mean what he was saying was basically um, slander it's slanderous stuff and then he'd put a caveat in and well I'm not totally sure and like, but why you know don't put an apology or a, a, a slight retraction or a caveat for, for, for 10 seconds when you spent 10 minutes slagging us off uh, and really calling us you know some, some, some terrible names and there's one a chap who follows my channel called Jason he did a video just commenting on what this guy had said and Jason's a really, really nice guy from, from Australia. And, and, but then the names he called Terry, he calling him Terry. He said, you're a cheat. You're a dishonest man. Uh, you're a dirtbag. And it's, it, you know, I've I, I spread that around and, and that was really, really funny. But this is what, you know, what's going on. The journalists and a lot of them actually, they've been, the funny thing was they've been very quiet leading up to the verdict, which, strengthened my uh, belief that we were going to get off because if we weren't they'd you know they'd, they'd, even without knowing anything they'd have said something but they were very very quiet so nothing was getting leaked or anything uh, to, to the journalists for them to, to, to latch onto and a lot of them have been very quiet since several of them have just seemingly disappeared from the face of the earth someone like Miguel Delaney who can spend three or four hours getting himself into trouble tweeting like a madman tweeting like Donald Trump at times just doing tons and tons of tweets and that seemed crazy and saying some stupid things. Even he went very quiet. It shows what the, as Colin said, what these guys know about um, law, uh, uh, accountancy and everything else. All those years studying for my accountancy exams, studying for my tax exams were totally wasted. What I really need to do is go and listen to half-ass clients like, uh, or clubs like Miguel Delaney and, and James Corbett and Rob Harris and, and, uh, Duncan Castles, because they know far more than, you know, all the years I've studied. They know far more than all the lawyers out there giving their opinion. These journalists suddenly know more than anybody else in their, they know more than the experts in their experts on field. It's a, it's a crazy thing. And, and it's, it seems to have drifted into the managers as well. The managers are, are going on about it, talking about areas of law and FFP that they have, haven't got a clue. And even Jurgen Klopp, he admits he doesn't know what FFP is all about. He admits he hasn't read much about, you know, only briefly about the, the judgment, but he's coming out in a press conference and talking about it. And he's not, and he shouldn't be talking about another club in a press conference, you know. He, he said himself in the past, he's asked journalists, why are you asking me about subjects that I have no knowledge of that are outside of football? Ask me stuff about football. I can talk about it just because I'm some sort of, you know, uh, famous person or personality, you're asking me questions that I have no expertise on. And why the hell are you talking about FFP? Same as Josie, same as you know, that fat slob, uh, Senor Tebas, and, and others. Why are you talking about stuff that you haven't got a clue about? It's different if you like to do some reading, you do some research. And I've had it with fans this week. I say, well, but you haven't done any research. And people are still going back. People still had somebody today talking about the Etihad deal in the first place, saying it was overvalued. And I said, no, listen, it was valued independently and UEFA are actually satisfied with the value so why are you coming back seven or eight years later and saying it's overvalued <laughs> let me just put you on hold for a second Ray while you get your uh, blood pressure down because we've got um, we've got a listener question for Emily which I think is a nice diversion before we jump back into this Emily here's the question what was your favorite meme or image on Twitter after the decision was it a the um, video of uh, Mbappe crying his eyes out or photo of Pep and Omar Barada 
and Ferran Soriano and uh, of course Cheeky Bagiristan himself standing in front of the um, of the TV as the decision was made. Oh, I did love that, you know, because <laughs> he, he put that on Instagram and then swiftly deleted it, but it was just up just long enough for people to screenshot it. So, and that gave me a bit of hope because I think what I have loved coming out of all of this is how much closer it feels like it's brought Pep towards all the fans. I mean, we were all there with him anyway, but now the way he's come out of it and with some of the quotes out of his press conferences that he's done, he's just been on absolute top form as in defending the club to the hill, you know, talking about the club's history. And for me, I I mean, like I say, I, I, I love Pep anyway, it goes without saying, but I also had a really big soft spot, well, a soft spot for Mancini. But all of this has just kind of brought Pep over the line a little bit with it because I feel now like we are in a really good position for him to extend his contracts and stay longer. Some of the things that he's been coming out and saying, I do think that he he won't walk away. I think this is the beginning of him, Pep Mark II at Manchester City, you know, building another team and bringing some more players in and making even more of his own Manchester City side than he already has done. But it was absolutely fantastic to see him so passionate and really coming out and fighting for Manchester City because that is what nearly every single fan that I saw across the social medias on Monday, on Tuesday, everybody was doing the exact same thing. And you know why? Because that's what Manchester City fans are all about. We've been built on character Everything that we've been through with this football club, through thick and thin, throughout all the years of supporting them, everything for the fans has been built on our character and our humour and our passion and driven for a fight as well for the club and defending them. And it's been absolutely magnificent to see the fans coming together like they have done. And But the cherry was pep and some of his quotes and some of his passion and to see that. And I absolutely loved it. That That is what's made the past few days for me, Pep, and, it, and some of the things that he's been saying. But I can really see now moving forward. I mean, I look ridiculous if I'm wrong, but <laughs> I can really see him staying around a lot longer. And, and that, for me, is a, the, one of the biggest victories to come out of this. Perfect segue, Emily, because that was going to be my next question for uh, Colin Savage. Uh, a double-barreled question, really. Uh, part A, do you think Pep will stay? And part B, do you believe the gossip of a £150 million war chest um, that is going to be delivered into his hands? What do you think? Uh, as to part A, yes, he will stay, I firmly believe. Um, I, I, I think Emily's right. This has fired him up. You know, he, he's become one of us, and um, great to see, isn't it? And uh, B, 150 million war chest. Uh, yeah, um, and I think um, you know, we, we've got we've got the money from the um, Silver Lake investment. Was it 480 million dollars in, sitting in the bank? Now I think we've used some of that to cover money we've lost during the current crisis, of course. But some of that money will be coming back in. Uh, we are in the Champions League next season, so we know you know that will be worth um, what I don't know, 75 million quid. Uh, per season to us, um, as, a, as opposed to losing a hundred million quid, um, everything's looking good. Um, yes, so uh, and I think 
people talk about, you know, we've been over this before, I think, people talk about the ridiculous nonsense of net spend. When you look at spend, what you've got to take into account is uh, often quite a big uh, thing is losing the wages of the players who leave or, or the fees you get for the players who leave. So so people thought we got a bad deal for Sane. Yeah, probably we could have got more probably if he hadn't been injured, if he had a couple of years left on his contract, if he was determined to go. But I think we still made about a 35 million profit on the on uh, the sale of Leroy Sane. Uh, you know, one of Stones, one or both of Stones or Otamendi, I think will be um, on the way. Um, other players will probably be uh, on the way out. You know, we, we do a nice little line in selling some of the younger academy players for, for decent money, uh, and it's all bottom line profit. Um, so yeah, I think 150 million is not unreasonable. Um, plus anything he, perhaps plus anything he gets from, uh, sales as well. So uh, I mean, we know we need a bit of a, a squad rebuild. Um, we, you know, we know we're light at the back. There's still the question marks over the, the left back. Uh, Cancelo maybe not, not happy being a backup to Cal Walker, who's been excellent in the right back position. Um, you know, David Silva's going, but you know, we've got Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva potentially to, to, to go into that position. Uh, Rodri's looking, the, looking much more the part in midfield, taking Fernandinho's role. So, um, you know, we're, you know, we're looking at potentially Koulibaly and, um, uh, Ferran Torres. The, the rumours that both those deals are pretty well done, or, or close to being done. Uh, so, yeah, it's all looking good for next season, isn't it? Well, let's go over to Ray for this uh, next one. Slight uh, change of uh, subject, Ray. But as you know, I'm a huge fan of the Anfield rap. And what I like to do is um, <laughs> I like to go on to their website because that, they... That's the uh, rap with the silent C. Yeah, <laughs> right. And uh, they have lots of um, free-to-air videos that you can watch. I think you get to see the the first five minutes before you have to uh, go behind the paywall, which I'm not quite prepared to do. But one thing was absolutely hilarious, and I certainly recommend it to our listeners out there. And, and that is the fact that, as we know, records are dropping like flies for Liverpool. And um, it's so funny because um, the first little video that I watched was the one in response to cities beating them 4-0. And I was yeah. expecting, you know, just a little bit of humility. And the whole thing, the whole thing, was a celebration of the fact that uh, the result didn't matter because Liverpool were champions. So I went on to the next one, and this was the draw with Burnley. And two points dropped, and it was exactly the same thing. It's like totally inconsequential, we're champions. And then I thought, my goodness, I've got to get something from the 2-1 loss to Arsenal. I mean, you, you, you can't lose 2-1 to Arsenal um, at the Emirates and not, have something substantive to say about it. And the whole thing was exactly the same. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, we're the champions. So, um, Ray, apparently, it doesn't um, what 100 points doesn't really mean anything to, to Liverpool. And they're, well, they're... You know, after the restart, it was all about the records. They were going to win the league. It was all about the records. We'd heard that you know, in the first 27 games, they'd won 26 and drawn one, and it was remarkable. It was all about the record. The club was tweeting about the record. They were making videos about the record. It was one where it was like it was a game, a video game, and it said high score 100. And it was basically the video was showing all the Liverpool, a lot of the Liverpool goals, and the points were going up. The points were going up. The points were going up. Um, and it said high score 100. So it mattered to them. It mattered. And, and several other areas, you saw this about the 100 points, about the 100 points, about breaking City's records. And it was, 
well throughout all their fan base. Everybody expected it. You know, Liverpool at the break, I think they had um, so, something like they needed they had 11, uh, the Watford game. When they got to Watford, they had 11 games to get 21 points, which is, was almost a gimme. And, and they've suddenly managed to, um, you know, fail to reach the line. Um, you know, they, they put the, it's, one, it's like those, the, the, the athletes who are in, in a race and they're getting towards the finish line and they put their hands up smile for the cameras and say, hey, look, take my picture. And someone just nips ahead and uh, takes the gold medal from them. And so it really does matter. Then you've got the journalists come out and say, well, it doesn't really matter. The main thing is getting 100 points. I can't remember who, who it was now. Said, um, who remembers how many points Man United got when they were the uh, treble winners? Who remembers how many points Arsenal got when they were the um, Invincibles? But it doesn't really matter. Well, I, I can tell you, I can, I can remember that. 79 for United and 90 for the Invincibles. And someone wrote back, yeah, but everybody can remember how many points City got for being Centurions. It didn't matter after the event. And I've seen Liverpool fans putting out there saying, yes, ever since we won the league, we were out there, you know, on the beach. No, you weren't. You were, I mean, Klopp put out pretty much his best side against Arsenal. He put out his best side and they got, um, they got turned over. And, and um, just to finish, I've got to go back to these, these parody videos. I started watching a, a little bit of that Arsenal game. I just thought it was nil enough. But Arsenal going to do them. And I actually started doing a video there and then. Um, and in fact, I did two videos uh, for Liverpool not getting to the 100 uh, points. Because even when they were losing 1-0, I just had this feeling that, you know, it, it wasn't going to be there yet. It's, it, this is, I hate to, to say this, it's been our week so far. And it just needs Liverpool not to get that 100 points. Because that, perversely, you know, there are, you can argue you shouldn't be that concerned about other teams getting records and whatever, but it, it, I didn't want them to get the 100 points. I, I really didn't want them to get the 100 points. So I did these two videos and, you know, they've done, you know, once again, they've done all right, but, um, I just had that feeling and, you know, the fact when, when, when the goalie was, uh, made that save that he, he pushed it onto the post or something, it was an incredible save. You know, um, my heart was in my mouth then. But it was just fantastic. And then once, as we said, all other fan, many of the fan bases have piled in pictures of 99 flakes and whatever. Uh, and all the Liverpool fans have slunk off, some, some have slunk off throwing some, what they normally do, throw some abuse and run away. Uh, and some of the, very few of the journalists have still tried to fight their corner, but there's nothing to fight. There's absolutely nothing left to fight for. They're not going to get to 100 points. Might as well be Blackburn. <laughs> Emily, was it a, a source of, of, of sort of delicious satisfaction for you also that um, Liverpool can't reach our target our target now? And not only that, but a whole bunch of the records that uh, we had set that they were aiming at can't be achieved. Yeah, that was, I mean, oh, I was watching that with bated breath and absolutely uh, delighted when the full-time whistle went because I really, really wanted to keep that record intact because... I still don't think we've really got the, the praise or the credit for that season. I don't really think we've got the praise or the credit for the back-to-back -back seasons and what we achieved. I, I don't think people really recognise the, the significance and the magnitude of what we achieved, not only with the, the quadruple and the Centurions. They were both absolutely magnificent achievements, but the 100 points, yeah. I just think it's just such a damp squib for Liverpool, isn't it, really? Everything all added up, it's already the worst title defence ever and the season's not really finished. So, yeah, going forward, I'm very excited to see what next season will bring because 
I can't I can't see him defending it. Um, but yeah, it was very important for me to keep that intact. And I just feel like, and I don't want to say it and I don't want to jinx it, but just feel like everything's going so well this week. And then I'm really, really excited for the FA Cup semi-final on Saturday. You know, a really big chance to get to the final. It could potentially be a Manchester derby and uh, another trophy. But I just feel like it's all going so well. But I mean, to end the week with a win on Saturday, that would be one of the best weeks, wouldn't it? After everything this week, after what happened on Monday, the win against Bournemouth, the Liverpool not getting the 100 points and then we just need that final piece of the puzzle this week and then it will really be happy days but yeah I'm, I'm so pleased because everything's kind of been detracted from Liverpool they were kind of put on this pedestal weren't they um, with all the uh, as the season was going on uh, they could do this they could do that give us that gold trophy and then Miguel Delaney saying I still think they deserve something a bit more than the Premier League trophy for what they've achieved this season. Well, I'm sorry, what? Did we get did, did we get anything more for the hundred points? Travel. <laughs> absolutely ludicrous. The, the yeah, way yeah. that they petered off is they can't blame it on the hangover anymore, can they? It, <laughs> it absolutely deluded. <laughs> well, it's a that's a it's a, a great uh, point that you made um, re- referring to the the game against Bournemouth because I've got I've got a quick question for uh, Colin Savage uh, with regard to that FA Cup semi final with Arsenal. Now there's there's obviously been two games since our last pod: the five nil win against Brighton, obviously hat trick for Raheem Sterling there, and uh, the the very narrow two uh, one win against uh, Bournemouth, and obviously. Uh, Lovely, lovely performance by David Silva. The question is, Colin, which city do you think will turn up against Arsenal? The, the, you know, the, the five nil, you know, bullies or, or, or this nervous performance that, that we had against Bournemouth? Well, I hope it's the five nil bullies. Um, obviously, uh, Mikel Arteta's there now, but, um, you know, they're one of the leaders of the hateful eight, aren't they? Oh, yeah. So, uh, I hope Pep will remind the players of that, that, that Arsenal, uh, are one of the teams that tried to take away their Champions League place. Um, and we know we're a much better team than them, but of course, you know, when you're playing a game, a one-off game like that, anything could happen. And uh, we've, we've done very well against them in the last few games we've played. Uh, and hopefully we'll do very well again and set up another, yes, another Wembley trip. Um, because they... Um, to go back to Liverpool, I don't want for them to dominate the, the conversation, but of course they've won a title after 30 years. But um, you know they've seen us win our, our case at Kaz. They've missed out on the hundred points, and I think um, and they're really rattled. They are really rattled. They're not going to win anything else this season. Throughout the Champions League, throughout the FA Cup, uh, we won the League Cup. Um, you know, and we're winning two and three trophies a season, and they're busting a gut to win one. And, and all right, let's give them praise for doing that, but. One of the things I think that has upset Klopp, and I think that set Klopp, Klopp set the tone. I mean, we know what Liverpool fans are like. Um, you know, the most deluded fans on the planet. But Klopp set the tone with his angry remark. And my theory behind why he was so angry is because uh, he knows he's not getting any money this this transfer window. He knows he's not going to be able to strengthen a side that okay they did they were remarkably consistent this season uh, when we weren't. So no complaints. But he knows he's not going to be able to strengthen a side that hasn't got a great deal of depth. 
Uh, and he knows now that with the um, ban overturned, we can start spending money. And he knows we will outspend them this summer, this, in this summer's window. Uh, and he knows he's uh, going to, well, if he wants to spend money, he's got to sell. So, you know, maybe Sadio Mane off to Real Madrid for, but of course, you're not going to get the money these days. So I think that's what's hacked him off a lot. It's his internal frustration that the owners not, won't, that won't back him. And we know, don't we? Um, when you win a title, you don't, um, you know, make the investment in the squad and, and you get complacent. We know what happens, unless you've got Pep at the helm, of course. So, so Klopp knows he's shot his, he's shot his fault. Mm. Well, guys, as we approach uh, uh, the hour mark, um, let me see what the kind of telepathy is like between me and Rakes. You, you, you heard Emily and she was saying that, you know, obviously winning the FA Cup would just uh, put, uh, you know, the perfect possible seal on the season. But I could think of something else, Ray, that would mm. just really put the cherry on on the cake. And it mm. concerns another team that isn't isn't Liverpool or Arsenal. Mm. What am I talking might, about? I think you might be talking about uh, a team that were fighting for fifth um, and expecting that to be good enough to uh, sneak them in the Champions League through the back door. Um, and, you, know, uh, you mean Wolves? Yeah, that's, that's what, look, look, look. And actually, I, there was a, I, had, I, had, I had this fear. Please hear me out. I had this fear, and Andy was worried about jinxing it. I had this fear. What We, got, uh, we were exonerated, vindicated uh, on uh, Monday. Um, Liverpool can't get our 100 points. That was fantastic. I was worried that, you know, because the next thing you want, you want United to get beat something like 8-0. That, that would have been done me nicely. And then you roll on to, um, um, on to Saturday and then you worry you've had too much good luck. Well, United have won tonight, so hopefully that, you know, the good luck has stopped and now it will start again. Um, but, but they've been on a really good run, haven't they? I mean, they've yeah. gone from, what, to fifth from fifth. Six. Yeah, or fifth or fifth. Yeah, so no, well, well done to them. But the the, the thing is, uh, see, I've and I've said this many times. I would rather do something on my own merits. I'd rather win a race because I was better than somebody else. Not that um, they tripped up and they fell down, and I managed to get ahead of them. Not that the the relay team dropped the bats on. Um, you know, if that happens, that happens. But. I would much rather win it on my own merits than tripping somebody else over or, or whatever. And that's what they've been trying to do as part of the hateful eight, um, to try and trip, uh, uh, trip us up and keep us out of the Champions League. Um, and, and hoping that fifth will, will get them there. Now they're going to have to go and do it, do it the legitimate way. I'm sure lots of fans want to play football and win stuff doing it the right way. But doing it the right way is by getting into the top four or winning the Europa League, not by City getting, um, you know, um, pushed to one side and then you, you sneak in our, our, our spot instead. So for me, the next big thing, I, I don't mind admitting it, is United to see whether they will make the Champions League or not. And look, it's in their own hands. If they win all the remaining games, I think they'll be, they'll be in the Champions League. Um, but I've got to hope they don't. And then you know, we we roll on in, into into um, hopefully if we beat um, Arsenal, and I always say hopefully into the FA Cup final and then a continuation of our Champions League season. And it'd be, it'd be nice. I'm sure it'd be nice for the Liverpool players and fans. You know, just when domestic football is almost over, to to have a look in, into August if we are in the FA Cup final. 
uh, and it'll give them something to watch. It'll give them an opportunity to, an opportunity to see a better style of football, uh, an opportunity to hopefully see a style of football that produces more goals, uh, both in the FA Cup and hopefully our continuation in the Champions League into August, however long that lasts. And I hope they're looking with envious eyes uh, as we uh, hopefully march uh, um, into Lisbon and at least at least get past uh, M- Madrid to start with. Um, but I hope they're watching it with envious eyes. And you know, it's, it's it's a bit of good and bad because they're going to get a long rest now. They're going to get a rest because they sacked off the Carabao Cup. They sacked off the um, uh, FA Cup. And they got humiliated by Atletico in the, in the Champions League. So they played far fewer games than us this season. Um, their fans want to talk about their, their trip. Um, even journalists want to talk about the trip to, um, play in the Club World Cup as a big, you know, distraction and a, a, as a big, um, time consuming and, and, you know, taking the players miles away to play these games. It's a lot of rubbish. Uh, they were already miles ahead in the league anyway. But I hope they're going to they're gonna actually benefit for next season by having this break. City, if we get to the Champions League final, we'll be playing on the 23rd of August. And I think the season starts was it a month later. So it's going to be hard on us. But I hope we can go into next season now, or whatever happens for the remaining part of this season, with a spring in our step, with Pep bristling, uh, confident, and, and re-energised and reinvigorated, and the players too, and all the you know the new players we get. Hopefully, there'll be Koulibaly and and, and uh, Ferran Torres, and then maybe we'll be lucky enough to get someone like Alaba, maybe uh, Benassa or Husmawa. I think we will spend 150 million, no problem. Uh, I think we have to. I think we have to buy some players who will be first team choices. Um, and, and I don't, I'm hope, also hopeful that we're not going to announce them too soon. Because can you imagine announcing Koulibaly next week? Mm-hmm. Well, an, an injury in John Stones. Uh, John, <laughs> you know, yes, Mr. Koulibaly's coming, but we still <laughs> want you to give it everything. Uh, you know, or telling somebody else, or telling Jaden Brath, for instance, hey, well, Mr. Ferran Torres is coming and that was the position that you might be looking for. I'd rather leave all that until our season's finished and then announce these players. Just off the back of that as well, really quickly, off the back of what Ray said, just a couple of points. Um, it's to our absolute credit as well, like Ray said, that um, Liverpool will be watching us playing in the uh, FA Cup and the Champions League because we do take all the trophies seriously and we do want to win all the trophies and we show the, the competitions the utmost respect. And I think that's just to our our absolute... Um, we should be commended for that. And it's been the case over the past few seasons and that's why we've done so well. But again, I just don't ever think we've received the, the plaudits, the praise or the credit for doing that. Um, and Liverpool have just kind of just stuck two fingers up this season towards, you know, two trophy competitions where potentially they could have gone a bit further in them. But we're, we're there and, you know, they'll be looking on with MB, MBSIs. And another thing tonight, um, I've, I've noticed that Lionel Messi has come out with some interesting quotes. He doesn't sound too happy whatsoever at Barcelona. Um, now, a girl can dream. A <laughs> <laughs> girl can dream. Why not after a week like this? Well, the thing is, uh, he's uh, not a happy bunny. I've got to say, he's 33 years old. He's playing for a Barcelona team that's chucked the league away. That isn't actually very good and he's not going to compete in. And yes, he's a, a, a one club man and everything else, but he's got to be looking at this and, and saying, you know, I might have two more years left and my, my powers are fading. Do I want to finish my career at Barcelona as just as a, a talisman or whatever? 
and we're not going to win anything or should I go somewhere where we can win something? And just one other thing before we disappear is, is, is a credit to Pep. It's a continuation of what Emily just said. Look at the team that we put out last night. I was shocked by that team. I, I said before the game, Pep wants to win every game. But if you look at that team, it was pretty much, there was a lot of first team players. Our back five was probably all, almost first team choices. But we had a lot of first team players playing. David Silva, you know, um, and, and, and Gunduan and um, the, the fullbacks and the goalkeeper and Bernardo Silva. I was surprised that we had so many. And it's because Pep gives each competition, every game, the respect it deserves. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? the kind of team Klopp would have put out. He'd have sent a load of kids out because it, the game didn't matter to Liverpool. It wouldn't have mattered to Liverpool that game. But to Pep, the integrity of the competitions that he enters um, is more important. Playing in the, in the Carabao Cup or the, in, um, the EFL Cup, that's a 60-year-old competition in this country. It's a national competition. doesn't matter how you want to look at it. It's a 60-year-old competition. And Pep gave it the utmost um, respect and we won it three years on the trot. Whereas Jurgen Klopp just sent a lot of kids out, sent the first team off to win the, it, uh, an even more tin pot trophy, the Club World Cup, and pick up five million quid. That's showing the national competition's disrespect. So I've got to give uh, Pep a lot of credit, even though I wasn't happy with the team, worried about players getting injured. But he went out to be fair to everybody because, you know, Bournemouth in the relegation battle, and if he put kids out and Bournemouth and won, that's not fair on the teams around them. So Pep, you know, he deserves the utmost credit as to how he's conducted himself all this week. Okay, guys. Well, I think we're pretty much out of time. So uh, let's uh, bring this particular episode to a little conclusion. I've enjoyed it. I hope that you have as well, listening to these great fans. And uh, let's just uh, bid them individually farewell and uh, set them on their way. You have been listening to Mr. Colin Savage. Colin, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure, as I usually say in that. I look forward to um, the next one when we perhaps will know a little bit more about the uh, CAS verdict. Absolutely, absolutely. You've also been listening to Mr. Ray Bubbles from City Fan TV. Hi, it's always a pleasure uh, to be on with you guys, and uh, it's it, it seems to be more enjoyable each time we get together. And also, just finishing off the trio tonight, we have been listening to. Emily, a.k.a. Kipax Girl Emily. Thank you so much, Emily, for coming on. I, I love it. Like Ray said, it's more and more enjoyable and on a week like this as well. It's oh. just been fantastic. So let's look forward to that FA Cup semi-final now and let's hope we can finish it off with that cherry. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, guys, we'll be back with you uh, very shortly for the next episode. So until then, let's finish off in the way that we always do by saying, have one on us and up those blues.